Welcome to the Providence Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message by Nathan Herndon. If you'd like to stay connected, download our app Providence Community from your phone's app store or visit our website at providencecommunity.org. Hey guys, open your Bibles. Book of Acts. We're going crazy. I've got, I've got 23 minutes, all right? Uh, Book of Acts, chapter 16. I uh, want to start in um, to uh, another message where I... Um, really believe that God is calling me to speak to pioneers again. Last week I spoke on the life of Elijah a little bit, and we can see that people that are used the most, they're like a wrecking ball against walls that the enemy has set up. Sometimes they get actually the most depressed and are the biggest threat to the kingdom of darkness. When you're a threat to the kingdom of darkness, uh, because you're bringing the kingdom of light to it, uh, sometimes that's exhausting. And so I want to speak to pioneers this morning, and I really hope that what God would do is God would let you know that you're seen, and that God would let you know that there's more for you, and that God would infuse your heart with a, uh, a new fire to not give up no matter what the circumstance. And I hope that, w- I just want us to look at the book of, of Acts chapter 16, or the chapter of Acts chapter 16 this morning, and I'm going to be talking and showing you just briefly what a day in the life of a pioneer, uh, it's Paul the Apostle and Silas, and I just hope that God awakens good things in your heart. And that's simply it. That's simply it. But before I go there, I want to talk about my son, Ethan, a pioneer, all right, a, uh, a modern-day young man. He tried to wrestle me in the kitchen last night in front of his uncle, Fifi, and that did not go well. He cried. I twist him like a pretzel. No, he's a, he's a good boy. He's grown. I could not be more proud of the young man. Uh, but I was, I had to take Ethan to an orthodontist appointment the other day. That mean, means I needed to pick him up from school early. And one of his teachers walked into the office and saw me sitting there, and he said, you're Ethan's dad. And I said, yeah. And he said, I got to tell you about your son. Um, He said that we got a new kid in school, and he wasn't really fitting in very well with the other kids. And in fact, he was kind of feeling like he was outsider, kind of feeling like he didn't have a seat at the table. At lunchtime, he was actually sitting by himself at lunch, and he said, of all the many, many, many students in the entire cafeteria Your son is the one who saw this guy, and what he did is he went from, my son, I'm proud to say he sits at the cool table, okay, Uh, and he grabbed his lunch, he steps up from the cool table, he walks over to this young man who's sitting by himself and doesn't have a table to sit at, and Ethan becomes his table, and he sits there, and what happened, I was like, oh man, that blesses me. That Ethan would sit with the new kid, just the two of them, and Ethan would show him the love of the father. And the teacher's like, no, 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 it didn't stop there. Your son created a movement, and the entire cool table moved to the new table. And the whole table began to, uh, began to walk down the path that your son pioneered. Come on, right? Come on. Guys. I want to let you know this morning that if you are a Christian, you are a pioneer, there are no other options. If you're a Christian, you are a pioneer, God is calling you out of comfort and into the darkness. God is calling you out of comfort and into the desperate situations that people need. There are no other options. God's not sending any other forces. He's empowering his church to pioneer new movements, and I promise you he wants to move in our day. I hope that reality burns like a torch in our hearts. 
What I, what, if I could ask one thing for this church is that each one of our souls will be set ablaze with this reality. The church has only been known uh, for creating, um, creating fortresses where we can hide from the world, sometimes poke our heads out too to say, that's unbiblical, and then we retreat again with our sandwiches, and we just say, uh, okay, I'm going out, cover me. If I'm not back in five, you know, send Moses or whatever we say. Gosh, we don't even believe that God can do that these days. Like, so we're just like, I'm dead, right? The church has hidden from a world that God wants to catapult us into. Don't you love that we're breaking ground on our 12-year birthday? Don't you love that? Seven of you do. I'm so glad. So glad. Don't you know, though, that we are, we are building a building is not us chasing after ease and comfort. Do you know this? So if you are giving in hopes that, oh, this will be nicer, we don't have to set up, and we won't, but that's not what we're doing it. Oh, this will, this will be nice, we don't have to run wires. Well, that's not why we're doing it. That's not a good reason to spend the kind of money that we're spending, right? This facility is not going to last forever. And what we're doing is we're pioneering a movement to build a house that we're going to hand to our kids that's going to be debt-free and paid off, and we're going to say, change the world with this thing, baby. That's what we're doing. And what this building is going to do is it's going to be a house that's more like a catapult. So we come in, we get launched out, and we're literally, we're going to change the world with this place. And so you have to be okay with that reality because we're not trying to hide you. We're trying to release you, my friends, into the world. So I, I'm, I'm talking about pioneering this morning because I believe it's burning in the heart of God. Do you know what, uh, what the definition of a pioneer is? As a pioneer is a person who is willing to endure hardship to be among the first to explore a new area. I'm willing to pay a price now for the people who will walk on the path that I pave later. I'm willing to, I am in the privileged place of a pioneer who's willing to pay the price and lay down my life that the, those who come after me will be able to go further than I could. I'm willing to endure whatever I need to do. A person who is first to settle a region, thus opening it for occupation and development by others. That's officially what a pioneer is and does. And I'm saying this morning that God's church is supposed to pioneer. We're not supposed to hide. We're supposed to go. Isaiah 61, 4, one of my new favorite verses. I love the prodigal son. I'm, I'm tempted to preach on it every single week, and that's a fact. I could, every single, there's enough stuff to mine for the next 40 years from that passage and then. But Isaiah 61, 4, do you know that it says, they shall build up the ancient ruins. They shall raise up the former devastations. They shall repair the ruined cities, the devastations of many generations. And I spoke on this a few weeks ago, and the glorious part is, who is the they? And the they is the people that Jesus has healed and is now releasing. You were broken, but now you're a builder. You were down, but now you're raised. You used to only walk around rubble. Now you are a rebuilder. This is what the church is supposed to do. The they is the us. And we, that, this means that we are marked with a mandate to build. And if we're going to build, we must pioneer and like it. We have to. The church cannot be made of standers by. We have to be made of builders, raisers, repairers. 
Because God's going to use us in this day to rebuild the devastations of many generations. So no matter what happened in the past, we're believing God for a greater future. And that is what we're pioneering because that thought is ancient and almost lost. We want to we get in classes. We want to gather. But there's a few of us that actually want to build. And I just want to encourage you, friends, let that fire burn. Don't be afraid of its rage. This is, the church has to be alive to this. Again, devastations of many generations are going to be rebuilt. So what this means in, in my world is that as the church, we don't complain, we champion. Do you know that it's not wrong to encourage somebody? Do you know that it's, it's we don't have to worry about someone's head swelling with pride because they were clapped for when they stood at a podium? Do you know that? That's not, that God wants us to be encouraged, okay? God wants us to operate in honor. It's actually a highway for the move of God. That means that as a church, we don't commiserate. We invent solutions. It means that we don't hide. We pioneer. That's what this means. And as a 61-4 kind of church. I was up this morning praying, and I, I heard something on the roof. I thought it was Ethan. I was like, boy, you can't escape. I'm coming after you. <laughs> wasn't him. It was a, I went outside barefoot. It was a squirrel. The squirrel was like trying to dig through the top of my roof, and so I yelled at it. <laughs> I didn't go back in and slump down on my chair and say, squirrels these days. Yeah, they're so rude, trying to get into my house. Like, yeah. When I was a kid, they didn't make squirrels. Squirrels knew their roles and their boundaries, and they don't know. So I, I, I screamed at the squirrel, and I picked up rocks and began to pelt the squirrel with him, and it started, like, streaming back at me. I took it as, I, I'm, no lie, I hope nobody saw me. I'm like, wow, get off of my roof, you demon squirrel. I know cats that I will call, and they'll eat you, all right? Got red collars on. They're nasty, all right? This is, this is guys, this is what I'm saying. We have, we have trained our children uh, how to spiritualize losing battles. We haven't trained them how to take hills with authority. We spiritualize, oh, God, I guess you want to teach me what it is just to have squirrel digging through my rule. And I just want to say, guys, wing rocks at what, at what is not of God. This is pioneering. This is pioneering. Do you know that many of you are pioneering right now? Some of you in this room are your first generation Christians. I want to I call you a pioneer because you are one. The legacy that's been laid for you is people that have not seen the worth and the value of Jesus. But you, my friends, have eyes that are open to see his value. And you've clung to him in faith. And you're starting a new thing, my friends. You are a pioneer. You're going to impact your family forever. You and your household are going to go after Jesus. Some of you are pioneering with your marriage. You come from a long line of the divorced on both sides of the family. It is hard. Family reunions are like the Civil War. You have no clue. It's, so, it's, it's, it's disaster, but God's doing something in your life right now. You say, it's hard, but I'm pioneering. I'm doing a pioneering work. And what God started, he's going to finish. And, and he is the God of the impossible. He is making a way even when it feels like a valley. And the strongholds in your family that have been passed down through your family lines, you're not putting up with. You're breaking those chains. And you're staying married. 
I, I was, we just, yeah, I, I thought like, you know, man, that would have been a great time to say something like, yeah, baby, or something like that. But uh, some of you, you're coming out of religion. Some of you, your families, they'll talk about Jesus to a certain extent, but should you start dancing in your aisles because you once were darkness, but now you're a daughter or a son, they begin to squelch that. But you're doing something new. Don't you know that your sons and daughters need to see you dancing and crying over the presence of Jesus and not just memorizing supposed facts about him? You're pioneering. Don't you know that that uh, some, of, some, of, uh, some of your families, you're pioneering in this area, that you've only known how to make decisions out of fear. But you're learning to make decisions out of faith. And you're not going to let fear-filled tendencies that have been passed to you win. And you're saying, no, I am making decisions out of faith, out of our good God who loves me and who is for me. Some of you only know a poverty mindset. That you never have enough, you never have enough, you never have enough, you never have enough. And Jesus is crashing into your world in a pioneering kind of way saying, no, I am enough. I am enough. And you're believing that. Alcoholism, bam. Anxiety, kapam. Anger, kawam. It's, it's, like it's, it's like Batman up in here. God's doing this. Church, don't you know that the way that God is making is he's not just helping us be smarter, though he is. I love how God takes the small things to, to the weak things to shame those who thought they were wise. And there's a knowledge that God's pulling out, pouring out that's bigger than you can get from degrees. I love this. But I, I love that God is, is making ways in the desert in these days. And I'm just calling this a pioneering move of God, that he's stirring and burning and churning and raising a people again, a church again that actually dreams dreams with the Father's heart and is willing to move into them, move into them. So this pioneering passion is being restored in our day. I believe it. And this is what is exemplified in the book of Acts chapter 16. The apostle Paul, man, did he live this? So I just want to take, I've got a few minutes here, I just want to take a, um, a few moments to look at the life of a pioneer and see if God unlocks something in your heart. Okay? Let's look at a few things here. Here's the first thing. I love this. It's uh, Timothy and Paul and Silas are teaming up, and here's how Timothy joins the Paul and Silas team. Paul also came to Derby and to Lystra. A disciple was there named Timothy, the son of a Jewish woman. Now listen to this. This is crazy. The son of a Jewish woman who was a believer, so she's a Messianic Jew. Don't you know that's how it's supposed to be? The, this, the, Jesus was Jewish, and he comes to the Jews, and he says, I am the Messiah that's been promised to you for generations. I love this. What a legacy. So Timothy is the son of a Jewish woman who is a believer, but Timothy's father was a Greek. And this, just, this means that he wasn't a follower of Jesus. Now, I love what happens here, though, with Paul, because he hears that, that Timothy is well spoken of by the brothers or the disciples at Lystra and Iconium. So Paul wanted Timothy to accompany him, and he took him and circumcised him because of the Jews. Okay, so here's what, here's what Paul says. This is a messy situation, but here's what pioneers do. Pioneers don't run away from messes. They push into potential. You hear this? 
Paul says, I, I see a calling of God on Timothy's life, and so even though we've got a weird home situation, even though we, we're, it's, it's going to be strange, even though he's not circumcised according to the customs of the Jewish law, even though we've got to press into that, it's not going to stop me. I see potential in people, and I'm willing to wade into the mess. This is what, this is what pioneers do. When it's complicated, but there's someone that's standing out with the call of God on their life, you go after those people and you, you become their spiritual dad if you have to. And this is what he did. And Timothy goes on to be an amazing pastor that, leaves, that leads a revival in Ephesus that was overrun with Artemis worship, and Timothy stands strong. This is what, they become spiritual parents. This is what pioneers do. You continue on, though. I, here's another thing that a pioneer does, is a pioneer lives with a sensitivity to the Holy Spirit that we must learn from. Look at starting with verse 6. And they went through the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. Now, this is very, very interesting. Many of us don't know a friendship with the Holy Spirit that we can tell when he says no and when he says go. So Paul tries to go into Asia, and Holy Spirit says, no. Okay. And look at verse 7. And when they had come to my Asia, they attempted to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. No. Interesting. Interesting. So passing by, they, they didn't spiritualize ramming into a region where God wasn't leading them. Interestingly enough. So passing by uh, Mysia, I think, they went down to Troas, and a vision appeared to Paul in the night of a man of Macedonia who was standing there urging him and saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. Look at this. That wasn't just, that he didn't just eat bad pepperonis off of his deep dish pizza the night before, okay? Uh, it, it was, and, and when Paul had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go on to Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. Listen, God communicates to us through dreams. And I, I hear so often, oh, I must have eaten something weird. Do you know that I dreamt of the Boston Marathon bombing the day that it happened? You know that? I woke up very early in the morning after, in my dream, sitting on a hill watching a bomb, bomb go off in a city that I knew was Boston. I woke my wife up. I said, Adrian, I'm so messed up right now. I just dreamed that I saw a bomb go off in Boston. She's like, it's okay. It was bad deep dish. <laughs> Later that day, the news concluded that my dream was not from me. This, guys, we have to stop being blind to what the Bible says. And we just need to be open. And this is, what, this is what pioneers do. We've got sensitivity to the Holy Spirit. That you know the Holy Spirit as, as a friend, not someone to be careful around. Um, the, the pioneers seek opportunities. When you look at verse, starting with verse 11, they are, and I'm going to just kind of summarize here. They're, they're, um, in, um, they're in a place where they, they're in Philippi. And they come across a lady named Lydia who doesn't know Jesus yet but is praying to God. And they share the gospel with her. And she comes to know Jesus and receive Jesus. And they start a church in her house. She's a businesswoman. 
She gets baptized, her whole family does, and they start a church in her house, so you seek opportunities. Do you know that the kingdom doesn't just come, sometimes you have to go, and what unlocks, what needs to be unlocked is your willing to, willingness to go. Does that make sense? And then you continue on, and Paul and Silas keep going, and as they're going, there's a young lady, a slave girl, who the Bible says had a spirit of divination, and she brought her owners much gain by fortune-telling, and she followed, verse 17 says, she followed Paul and us, crying out, these men are servants of the Most High God, who proclaim to you the way of salvation. Verse 18, and this kept uh, and, and this she kept doing for many days, and Paul, having become greatly annoyed, turned and said to the Spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And it came out of her that hour. But when her owners saw, these are people who owned her for what she could do. They did not value her as an image bearer. When her owners saw that their hope of gain was gone, they seized Paul and Silas, dragged them into the marketplace before the rulers. I, I want to tell you, my friends, that that pioneer set people free. And I also want to give a word of warning that um, in the church especially, uh, in these days, I actually even see stuff. You can, you can learn a lot by social media and Facebook, right? Hello. And I'm seeing too many horoscopes going up on there from believers. And that is dangerous. Because here's the thing. This, a spirit of divination and fortune telling, it's real. It's real. This isn't, it's not Halloween and we dress like a fortune teller because it's silly. What makes it dangerous is that it's real. Um, so if tigers weren't real, then I would have no reason to warn my children not to play with them should they come in the front yard, all right? The reality is that they're dangerous is the reason I've got rules to say you don't play with tigers. Do you hear this? I'm just telling you, as, as, uh, as someone who cares about your heart and cares about your future, fortune tellers are real. Spirits of divination are real. And you don't, don't dabble with that or watch movies about them. This isn't legalism. This is like saying you, you don't, don't roll around in a fire. I need to say this around Halloween time because I know my town, Hanover, is obsessed with Halloween. It's bigger than Christmas. And I think that there's, there's an evilness there that we've allowed to come in. Come in. I'm, I hand out hot dogs and the best chocolates on Halloween because I want to light up the darkness in my neighborhood. So I'm not, I'm not hiding from my neighbors. I'm going to be light to them. But I also know the reality of what many people are playing with and some of us are playing with. And it could be that one of the reasons that your heart is you're like, I don't know why I'm not growing. It's because you keep checking your horoscope, reading the Bible too little. You're, you're hitting the cards instead of hitting your knees. You know the, the presence of evil more than you know the presence of Jesus. I just want to call that out this morning. My favorite part of this, though, and I'm flying here, guys. I'm skipping over all kinds of things. So we're going to need like part 12 on this one. But I love that, starting with verse 25 of chapter 16, it says about midnight, Paul and Silas, because they were, they're thrown in, in jail for setting someone free. You know that you're, gonna be, you're, you're going to be punished for your pioneering sometimes. And they're not making a strategic plan on how they're going to reach out to the authorities and let the government know. Paul and Silas were Roman citizens. You don't do this to Roman citizens. But they were mistreated. But at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. 
and the prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened, and everyone's bonds were unfastened. Guys, last week Elijah, when he gets ganged up on by Jezebel, he wants to die. And that's a real thing. And people go through that. And we need to feed them meals and let them sleep and help them out and walk with people and see pioneers that have the weight of the world on their shoulders. Paul being in a healthier place, when he's ganged up on, he's in a prison and he begins to open his heart and his mouth and let praise fly out to God. And so I want to say, friends, that, that before you admit that you're depressed, I want you to go into the presence with song. Um, we, we sing, I'm going to praise before my breakthrough, because that's a biblical concept. Um, we don't, what happens many times is when we, when we find ourselves in these midnight dungeon situations where we've been misjudged and misrepresented and punished for something that we actually did not do. We were doing something good, but it looked bad to them. And we get angry and we get bitter. And there's no place in a pioneer's life for bitterness. Your heart doesn't have capacity for that. Your heart just needs to be a place of burning for the presence of God and the glory of God. Your heart needs to build people up. You need to be able to, you can't see need when you're bitter because bitterness only makes you see you. And here, I want to encourage you, friends, there's nothing that eradicates bitterness like songs of freedom. There's nothing that eradicates feelings of I'm not being seen, seen, like singing songs saying, God, I see you. And the darkest place that you're in, there's worship does not get its power from circumstance. You hear this? The source of your worship, the source of your joy is not if God did it your way. The source of your joy, no matter what circumstance you find yourself in, is God. It is God. So you can sing in a dungeon. And the world needs pioneers that break through the darkness of dungeons, celebrating God even when their circumstances say they shouldn't. And I love that songs of freedom actually release freedom for other people. Arguing doesn't release freedom. Songs of heaven do. My advice to you is sing over the most difficult places of your life. Sometimes others' freedom depends on it. I'm going to end with this. And like I said, I'm flying. Hopefully you're getting something from this. But I was, uh, I was bullied as a teenager um, a lot from a lot of different people. I could tell you all. Maybe I'll write a book on it. We can commiserate together. We can cry. We can, I was bullied too. And we'll cry. And we'll wipe each other's noses. And we'll just, you know, uh, and that'll be a fun time. And then we'll slap each other and say, let's sing. Uh, and it'll be good. But I've got a lot of stories of, of being bullied. But what makes this very strange for me is I, I've been this size since 10th grade. Not this weight, but this size, all right? <laughs> I've packed on a lot of muscle since then. And Jesus forgives liars too. So um, the, uh, but uh, I, I've been this big, and I was actually, I lived on a farm, and I got very strong. Um, because I, there's nothing like bailing hay and wrestling cows, right? To pack on some muscles. But I remember I would let smaller kids pick on me um, because I thought that's what Jesus wanted. I thought that if I let small kids three years younger than me that I could tie into a pretzel and kick home to mom, you know? 
I thought, I, that's what Jesus wants. He just wants me to be a whipping post for these other kids. And so I guess that is what I'll just do. And I would go home with gum in my hair. I'll go home, like kids would steal my clothes. I'd have to give whatever the office gave me from the, uh, from the uh, what do you call it, the, the lost bin. Okay. And I would let people do this. Um, can, can I say that we've been taught how to be victims and spiritualize it rather than taught how to be pioneers who take ground? And as we have uh, uh, taught each other how to be victims that don't dream anymore of victory because we so sm- uh, spiritualized defeat, that we've lost um, a part of our souls. We've lost some dignity. And I, here's the part that I, I've built towards, and I will end with this. Look at verse 35. Paul still has dignity intact and doesn't think he's nothing just because he spent the night in jail beaten. Look at verse 35. But it, when it was day, the magistrate sent, sent the police saying, let those men go. They realized they were wrong. Look at verse 36. And the jailer reported these words to Paul saying, hey, the magistrates have, have sent to let you go. This jailer has, has been saved now. Paul's led the whole family. Jesus baptized all of them in, in one evening. <laughs> saved his life. And then listen to what Paul says though in verse 37. Paul doesn't say, oh, good. God delivered us. Great. We'll see you. He says this. They have beaten us publicly, uncondemned, men who are Roman citizens. So they have broken the law, not Paul. <laughs> they have broken the law, not me. And have thrown us into prison, and do they now throw us out secretly? No. No. Here's what's going to happen. Let them come themselves and take us out. So Paul says, I'm not leaving disengaged from my dignity. And so pioneers, I want to tell you this. You are a wrecking ball. You've got a bravery, a brave-heartedness, a lion-heartedness that few possess. You're willing to go places that other people don't have the courage to do that. But you are, listen, 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 listen. You're important. You're important. You're important. God still sees you. You're not a walking mat that everyone gets to trample and pretend you're not human. And honestly, church, I think one of the reasons why we're seeing less pioneers and more hiders from reality is that we don't know how to treat a pioneer. Take that one to the presence. Get back to me. I already have. A pioneer doesn't allow himself or herself to be devalued. A pioneer doesn't lose their value just because they're being beaten. And the, spiritual, uh, the spiritualization of being treated badly must stop. So what I'm, what I'm calling for, just within my last uh, moment, is I'm calling for a, a healing for wounded pioneers. Because the enemy would love to wound you to the point that you would, you would rather, you would like to use your pioneering for exploits uh, outside the kingdom because it's safer. And I would say we need new pioneers in the church that are healed enough to pioneer again. Does this make sense to anybody? Does this make sense to anybody? Listen, um, Jesus is enough for us when we're beaten in a jail, but he doesn't remove from us our value and our worth. It is not spiritual to call yourself trash. It's actually 
atrocious theology. Do you want this back? Do you want this back? Do, do you want a, a, an understanding, a, a, a health surrounding your view of you so you can pioneer again? Anybody want this back? You just tell God this in the quietness of your heart. You and there's somebody, let's join in with them. Say, God, we want this back. Can you stand your feet a moment and, and maybe just put your arms out like this in receiving posture? So God, I, I, uh, I believe your heart bleeds for wounded warriors, um, unsung heroes. And you get all the glory, God. That's what we want. We want you to get all the glory. We're not st- trying to steal the glory. But I pray for a wholeness of heart to be restored to some of your finest frontline warriors again, your brave hearts, your lion hearts, God. I pray that you, I pray a healing like a, a heavenly oil would even be felt on hearts, restoring places of bitterness, restoring places of hurt and pain. And I, I pray, God, um, that, that you would make us a church that actually uh, celebrates and gets behind people that are taking the gospel, advancing the kingdom, lighting up the darkness. Instead of missing them, we see them, and we begin to walk on the trails that they're pioneering. And I pray, God, that you make us radical again. I pray that we won't be able to go to the grocery store. We won't be able to go to our place of employment. We won't be able to go back to our house without seeing neighbors that, that need a path, a gospel path to them. And God, I, I pray that we would, we would chase off the lies of the enemy and we would walk into um, divine appointments that you've created us. You've got us living at this time in history. And we don't want to hide from your calling. We want to embrace it and be launched into this world. So I pray that over your church. God, some people that have been, that fear has been keeping them from pioneering, I just pray for them right now. And I pray for a breaking of fear. The enemy's just scared of you. Do you know that? The enemy's just scared of you and of you being the you that God is calling and raising. So God, raise up people, heal them and send them. Let us be Isaiah 61 uh, Christians, we are rebuilders, we're not commiserators, we are not complainers, we, we uh, reconstruct what's been broken, and God, we say, pour it all out on us, we want it, we want it. And so I release these wonderful people to, uh, to you, God, use them, fill them, may their hearts be torches that burn for you, and may that be the, the truest thing about them, I pray. We bless you, thank you, we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to this message. We pray that this word will bring light to dark places, life to dead places, hope to desperate places, and heaven to earthly places.